Welcome to Contest Cannabis. I'm your host, Courtney Ora Freeman. Today, I'm here with Shay Larson. We're going to talk about conscious business practices as they pertain to extraction in the cannabis industry. He is an expert and a leader, and we're looking forward to hearing his insights. Stay tuned. First, I'd like to say thank you to Armaplex, our sponsor for this episode. Armaplex is a security specialist with three years of experience in the cannabis industry specifically. Uh, you can get in touch with them at armaplex.com. I will be placing information in the description for our YouTube videos. So you can look for it there as well. Thank you, Armaplex. All right, let's turn to Shay. Shay, if you would, please introduce yourself and tell us about your background, how you came to be working in the cannabis industry. Sure. Yeah. Uh, hi, my name is Shay Larson. Um, I'm from a small mountain resort town in Montana. I came to California doing a different type of work and I volunteered for a small cannabis company that was working and doing uh, medical trials with children uh, with terminal illnesses. And I started on as just an intern. I wasn't getting paid. And I kind of became really interested when I saw that the, the great powerful uh, acts of cannabis, anywhere from the cannabinoid effects to um, how it helps redevelop damaged tissue to, you know, helping people who've never sleep sleep. And I, I just became flabbergasted and overwhelmed and wanted to know more about this plant. So from that start, I slowly worked my way up within that company. Um, and then I wanted to know more on like the extraction process and how that all looked. So I took a position that was three hours away from my home. And I uh, spent most of my weeks up there learning the extraction and the processing um, of cannabis to get it to where it's at on a sellable level. Um, after that, I would uh, assist in making SOPs um, for the extraction process and then, uh, then worked my way through extracting and compliance, um, uh, coordinating with the BCC and the CDPH. Uh, making sure that all the bells and whistles from each factory that I was working at was up to compliance. From there, I moved to a facility manager where now I, I facilitate uh, material coming in, transferring it through its processing and extraction, and then transferring it to a product, testing that product, and then making sure that all the appropriate packaging is in order and then shipping it out to uh, dispensaries. So it's been an interesting journey. Um, it's been a very fun and exciting journey. And I still, I feel like I've only, uh, you know, touched the tip of the iceberg uh, when it comes to cannabis and everything that's in, in, involved in it. So I'm very fortunate to be at where I am, um, especially in California, where this kind of all started as like the land of the promise and cannabis. And it's been a really exciting adventure and hopefully I can keep up the speed in it um, as it continues to grow because it goes very, very fast and uh, it's, it hasn't slowed down uh, since I've started, which was about five years ago. So, Yeah, I'm from New York and uh, we call it the New York Minute, but in cannabis, we say that it moves in dog ears, like everything's so much faster. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, exactly. Yeah. That's actually the second time I've heard that today. I was talking to a vendor and they, they said that they were in it a year, but it feels almost like four years. 
um, <laughs> being in it because it's just so fast and the, the information is constantly changing. And just on a compliance level, it's very difficult to stay on top of that. Shay and I work together. So I've seen firsthand his commitment to the industry and to medical cannabis patients. And it was a pleasure to work with you. And he's got, he's just the salt of the earth. So <laughs> I call him an earth angel. He has, does so much for the community and for the people in his life. And um, I think, uh, you know, like oftentimes if there's issues with extraction or things that I, you know, come on my mind, I'll reach out to Shay. And that's how we came to be on this interview today. Um, I, uh, I, someone gave me some, uh, a cartridge, a vape cartridge. Thank you very much. I appreciate that. Um, unfortunately I did not like it at all. <laughs> um, <laughs> it, it, did, it didn't taste good. It was like, I think it gave me a headache. Mm. And like, even like, you know, I also am involved with compliance. I produce products in the cannabis industry and the CD industry. I am a packaging compliance expert. And that's one of the services that I offer. So I look at packaging. I look at the design. I look at the compliance. And I looked at it and I said, 85%, you know, what, how is this even possible? Why is there no CBD? I'm just, I was just completely confused by it because I typically buy quality product. <laughs> and I, you know, as an industry player, I support quality businesses who make quality product. So um, this was not something I knew about before this brand, which I'm not gonna say. And uh, um, Shay and I got talking and I was like, Shay, there's no CBD in here. What do you think about this? How is that possible? <laughs> and, uh, and he said, you know, well, they're doing what they do with CBD for the hemp market. They breeding out the genetic and extracting just the THC. I said, yeah, I get it. But like, why? <laughs> this doesn't make any sense. Why would they do that? <laughs> this goes against all of my principles of full spectrum. Um, so here we are. And I'd love to get your feedback on this and talk a little bit about like, what, what does it mean to be a conscious business? In my mind, it means it's not about just the money. Money is one aspect of business. Um, we all want to provide for ourselves, but you know, it can't just be about the money or you're just not living life to its fullest. And with cannabis, it's, it's the sacred plant. It's not sacred because it gets you high. That's a joke. Right. It's right. sacred because it brings healing and it uncovers us conscious and it helps us to think freely for ourselves <laughs> in right. so many ways. So, you know, it's something I think uh, that's for me, the conscious business practices are about awareness. I'm operating in awareness. I'm aware of my impact. I'm aware of how I want to uh, experience in life and how the products I want to, you know, put out. It's about awareness. But would you share with me um, your just personal insights and what you think about what that means to operate with a with conscious business practices yeah no that's a that's a great question and i think like especially in la it's a very tough question to nail down because i feel that in the beginning i wouldn't say all providers or all manufacturers or all distributions all came into the same idea that we want to do it right and we want to do it legal i think that because the way cannabis has grown in california it started out as recreational only which only increased the black market to provide for all those people who didn't want to go get those licenses. And then there was that shift that was something that was already well established. And then they added more stricter rules. The problem with the strict rules is there's not a lot of people to regulate them quite yet. So people can continue to keep putting out these bad products. Now, when it comes to making the products, there are some people just trying to turn quick profit. I understand that. And I, unfortunately, that's in any industry that you get into. Um, you can see it on, at the liquor store. You can see For it sure. at grocery yeah. stores. People just cranking out whatever they can. 
Well, it is, it is the nature of a corporation too. If you ever, I have a B Corp, but if you have a standard corporation, it does state that you have to, you have to account for revenue to your shareholders. So essentially the primary objective is revenue. Um, I get that, which is why I chose to go with the benefit corp. But I think there's a really good point you're making that it's all industries. Right. And one of the reasons I created this show is because it's completely relevant to cannabis because we have so many um, philanthropists and altruistic individuals within this industry that it made sense. And there's actually potentially an audience for this to propel it forward, you know? Yeah. Um, but absolutely. It's a very good point. It's in all industries. Continue. Well, the, the problem also with that is like the state now, the state pretty much kind of came after the cannabis industry with full throttle. So Colorado did it right. And the state was willing to work with them. And it took, it's just, it's just now getting to a level where it's stabilizing. Uh, the pendulum has swung both ways. Um, and now it's getting to a point where it's successful. Washington is also getting to that point. Oregon is, is slowly getting there, but they're still trying to fine tune it. California, on the other hand, <laughs> the state was like, okay, well, we saw the success. We saw the profit. We want to see that tomorrow. And unfortunately, it took some time for these businesses to develop. So even if you had good practices or you were like, I'm going to go in it and I'm going to do it right, the, the pressure for all the laws, the rules and the restrictions that you have to have made it very, very difficult, not only to create ethical process, but also that just makes sense because the longer things take, the harder it is to sell. And the, usually the longer the things take is also because of all the legal uh, like red tape that it has to go through. So I would have to say that there's a lot of factors of the reasoning why the ethics has kind of gone away from cannabis in the sense. Um, I don't think it'll stay permanently. I, I feel that like with this, unfortunately, this big issue of COVID right now, it's put a lot of pressure on those people that were just hustling and trying to get this product out. And the people that like did it the right way, crossed every T, dotted every I, followed the rules and regulations from the CDPH, followed the rules and regulations from the BCC, took their time with it, um, were able to successfully continue to keep growing. Um, uh, cannabis has been up, uh, it's 57% since January. Um, the problem with it though, is that now a lot of the back uh, inventory that a lot of suppliers have had is starting to you know, be depleted. And the CDPH had asked most manufacturers to put, put on pause for at least two weeks. Mm-hmm. And it, it's, it's kind of like a diesel engine. You can't just shut it off. You need to like let it warm down and then let it warm back up. So there's well, plus been, all, the packaging too. The, the whole supply chain has been affected. I, I'm waiting on packaging. Like, yeah. like some of my products, they said it would be, it would be August. Yeah. <laughs> I've never had a problem getting these packaging before. <laughs> and that's just in the packaging. That's not actually in the material. And Agreed. the material itself will take a lot longer to grow. Good material will take a mm-hmm. lot longer to grow. So really the higher quality products will probably become very scarce again, uh, which only gives more uh, money and, and, and time for the black market to continue to grow. And again, mm-hmm. the BCC it's, is up perspective. against yeah, it's up against the wall. They don't have anybody to come and regulate right now because mm-hmm. there's no real funding for it. So it's like the people who are doing it right, if they have enough funding behind them, they can continue to do it right. But the people who tried to do it right ended up having to cut corner here, cut corner there, cut corner there until it's just a big circle. And then they're the ones that are actually struggling right now in itself because it, you know, that's, it, ethics falls under not only what product you're putting out, who your people are, but also how you pay your the people. Like um, I'd have to say, one of the big things about oh wait, hold on. 
before okay. you go, you're going into a whole other thing here with people and the labor. Before oh. you before you go on to that, which is extremely valuable, I just want to chime in about the regulations. Mm-hmm. Um, I think you know being a policy advocate is so important for us because. Mm-hmm. Working, we have to be able to come forward and say it's not working. And the bottom line is, the regulations are not working. Like honestly, I've seen a number of businesses that cannot operate sufficiently and also comply. It's not. Right. We've had a number. We've had what two distribution companies go down in the last six months that were quite Thank large, well funded, yeah. and um, well operated. Yeah. So like, it's just it's just unfortunately it's it's not working. And um, in terms of the enforcement, absolutely agree with you that. That cart that I mentioned uh, when I started inspecting the packaging, and because you know, I was like, "What is this thing?" I just—it was so foreign <laughs> the whole concept. But um, <laughs> I started to drill into their website because I wanted to see who they were, what they're doing, right. um, and the links were broken. Um, mm. The QR code on the packaging did not work. <laughs> uh, I mean, I was just—I just on so many levels, I wasn't even sure if it was legal. I'm like, right. "Where did you get this? Is this a legal product?" <laughs> I'm yeah. Just, like, but um, then I went and looked at the executive board, which we can talk about later. The executive board is all like, all like uh, finance, big time, big, com- right. big, big funds. It's very interesting to see who's behind this. And it's definitely money focused. Like money is the number one. Now, in terms of enforcement, uh, they're not being enforced with that packaging. No one's saying, hey, your links are broken. Is that your address, your facility? You know, but in uh, Oregon, uh, just last year, my introductory episode for this show, I talked about how um, there's a company that's been the number one selling product in the West Coast, and they just got uh, hit with a fine. Um, there was a they were going to be purchased. It was part of an acquisition. Mm-hmm. The state of Oregon uh, that regulates the organization that regulates, they said, "Listen, we're not going to hold up the deal because we want this purchase to happen, right. but um, we are going to find you." And they were finding them because they had MCT oil in their vape carts, which mm. very clearly say on the packaging, 100% cannabis. And when I hear 100% cannabis, it does not mean that there's <laughs> MCT oil in my vape cart. <laughs> so, uh, yeah, so that was in Oregon. And um, uh, I just, and you can go back and look at my first episode if you want to know who it is. I'm not going to say it again. <laughs> but uh, <laughs> the enforcement is, is really important, you know, and yeah. uh, being able to be, you know, being a policy advocate and coming forth. So thank you for touching on that. Yes, please continue. Uh, you were talking about labor and how, how labor, uh, how we engage with labor. It's so expensive, especially in California. There's a lot of uh, labor considerations that you don't have in other locations. Uh, so it's like right. one of the main points for businesses. Let's, I'd love to hear your thoughts. Well, the hard part is too, especially is that there is no standard set. So you don't know that an extractor actually deals with butane and it's a very dangerous situation, which you should be properly trained in and you should be OSHA compliant and all this other things. And what they do is they just find someone for like 15 bucks an hour part time and they crank them on in there and they have them work the night shift, which is ending up, you know, not only that's like where you're getting the, the poor product and I'm not saying no I've seen this too I, I've seen it firsthand absolutely and a lot of times they will buy a very expensive machinery mm-hmm. and it has a console that kind of tells you everything and watches a lot of things so I can see how some people would say I don't need a expert technician on this the machine right. can do it but the reality is that you you really should have someone on your team that's an expert you should have at least a chemist. You should have at least an engineer. You should have at least, you know, the proper equipment, the proper ventilation. That's the other thing too. Um, I, I went to a conference in Las Vegas a little while back before COVID-19. And one of the big things that they were pushing is a compliance 
um, uh, like systems and, and what they were talking about in particular is there's all these people trying to find these like warehouses that once were really good for making rice and now they're trying to make cannabis, but like a lot of the electrical is not up to code. A lot of the fire is not up to code. The city regulations hasn't like qualified this deemed fitting for manufacturing, you know, good business practices isn't considered under cannabis law. So there's all of these, like, like it, it, it basically the compliance is a big block of uh, Swiss cheese. And it's just tons of these little holes that are just really big holes for the overall better development. Um, and, and until we get those kind of fine lined out or until we get like more money into the regulatory process, it's going to be really difficult for us to, to even be on the level of for the federal government to look at it and be like, this is worthy to be on a legal setup. I mean, you look at it, the federal government wants to be a part of this probably more than, than not. The only issue is it's really hard to regulate a lot of these processes and procedures. And to do so, it's going to take even more funding and more money for these people. And these people are just going to, again, cut corners. And so you can't pay somebody $15 an hour on a night shift to run a butane extractor and not, and not expect to have some big issues like explosions or like some, some serious issues later down the road where you're coming up with a product that you can't even look up. Because the overall, you have to have it from the top and it works its way down. It, it doesn't go from like the middle and then kind of become better. It, it has to start from the top, which makes it very difficult because nobody has that extra million dollars to buy the property to build a, a facility that is up to code. So it, it's, I want the employees to get paid better. I feel especially these workers that are doing a lot of tedious folding, uh, packaging, you know, uh, processing. Yeah. Dealing really hot temperatures, really cold temperatures, having to wear full out suits, like these types of things, heating up ethanol to 70 Celsius and then having them put their face over it. That's a dangerous task. And it's a dangerous task that needs to happen in order to get those vape cartridges. So you can't be paying. You need to have the proper pay. You need to have the proper insurance. This is to just attract like, the best. Yeah, to attract the best people that are conscientious, yeah. and and also to to potentially motivate people to be really discerning and detail oriented when they need to be. Right. Yeah, it's it's a very difficult situation because there is no standard really set, and so until a standard set for oh yeah, extractors get twenty bucks an hour plus full benefits. Da 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 da. It'll constantly be a back and forth game until you see those companies that are doing really well. They, would, they do pay their, their employees a lot better and they treat them a lot better as well, too. You so know, if, if we were to set the precedent, mm -hmm. um, this, and we are reporting from the quarantine camp here. <laughs> uh, <laughs> it's, it's May. Um, I'm in Los Angeles. We're still on lockdown. So mm -hmm. uh, we're still talking about COVID and how that's affecting the industry. Um, we can talk about that in segment, in segment three, if you like. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, I know. We can talk all day. I realize that. <laughs> we, yeah, so we can talk all day, Shay and I. <laughs> um, so uh, should we segue into, section, into segment three? Sure. Yeah. Um, no, let's, let's set our intention. Okay. What would be the precedent for, uh, and I don't want to put you on the line, so if you don't want to answer this question, don't answer the question. <laughs> um, <laughs> if we were to set a precedent for uh, what we would pay an extraction tech who's working maybe the graveyard shift right. um, and they're managing, you know, they're managing maybe the, the lower spectrum of responsibilities, sure. um, what do you think would be a good rate? 
I mean, just from what I've seen, honestly, you, you get what you pay for. And at the night shift, you're going to want somebody that you can feel like, like you don't need to be up every hour calling them type of thing. I would say 25 to 30 bucks an hour isn't crazy. And I say full benefits, you know, like insurance and they have to be OSHA certified because it's, it all has to deal with all of these like processes, pressures, vacuums, heat, cold. And if you're not paying attention to one little thing, that whole thing can go up. And that's an extremely dangerous and very expensive situation. Absolutely. I think a processor you could get away with maybe 20 bucks an hour to 18. I don't think you should go lower than 15. And then a packager, I would even give them 20 bucks an hour just because of the work is so tedious. Uh, it's not like a glorified position and you're like trying to make them crank out as many as they possibly can in one hour. That's pretty taxing, especially if you're working a night shift. So and I want the labels to look good. <laughs> yeah, exactly. And that's just it. Like it, that's where we're talking about the ethics. Like it has to start from the very top. Cause if you don't have it from the very top, you can't come in the middle of it and be like, Oh yeah, now this, these prepackaged jars will be, totally high class from here it's like no you, you know you, you get the good grower you get the good flower you get yeah it's well, hallelujah yeah. hallelujah <laughs> it's the full thing and i'm not saying that like honestly if, if you want to pay them less then make things less expensive yeah. in california that's simple you if you want less you're gonna get what you pay for and i've had i've seen too many accidents and i've heard too many you know tragic stories of people just smoking and then coming in and blasting butane all night in their, you know, like a little hole and it just explodes. So yeah, I would say that, you know, it's not crazy to think that you should pay them the actual standards you would pay anybody at a manufacturer. It's, it's right. a manufacturer. Oh, absolutely. And yeah. uh, bottom line is that the, your license to manufacture and produce could be jeopardized huge huge i mean if there's any complications they're doing a three strike program right now in the state of los or the city of los angeles where they come in and they do a fat write-up of everything that they see wrong you have to fix it so the next time they come in that strike two if it's still not fixable by strike three you're penalized and you're penalized by having to shut down um, not only do you have to pay a fine, but based off the penalty, it could be anywhere from a week to two months of just no work, no process, no nothing. And in cannabis, that's, that's a big hiccup. Um, so yeah, after three strikes on those, those strikes, then they just pull your license and you're not able to qualify for another license again, like not even a liquor license. If you decided like, ah, cannabis wasn't it, but I want to open a bar. You won't be able to. Wow. Yeah. Those are, those are heavy ramifications. Thanks for sharing. California, man, they just went all out. I mean, I think there's only one, there's only one state that's worse and I think it's New York, but New York's trying to get better at it because they've had a lot of people like, you know, filing lawsuits and, and against the state. And so it's been kind of interesting to kind of watch. Well, also Washington, because they're not issuing any more licenses right now. I mean, it's been a couple of years and they're, yeah. they're just like, and they're, you're, just, you're, you're out, you're out. It's, you know. And the thing is too, when they issue the license, I think they only issued like 70 at max. The whole state of Washington, there's only 70 applications or something. That's a min, that is so small. That is a small amount, which means, <laughs> I mean, it's good because it means that the people that really want it have to really get it. And the people that don't really want it will just open a bar or something. <laughs> um, well, they also, they report their earnings publicly. And um, so you can go to the website and see. But um, I think that they're still like, just from my insider information, some of the top companies I think are still struggling. I mean, I think it depends on what you're doing, but. 
yeah our brands yeah. maybe not the not maybe not the retailers they're popping <laughs> yeah well the retailers got it nice because they don't even have to do a distribution cut like they they get they pay the um excise and after that they're done with it they get to wash their hands of it so that's kind of interesting um i think we're running out of time okay. so let's segue into part three okay. uh, shay would you share with us your insights for the future of the industry or for extraction specifically or if you'd like to talk maybe about how COVID is affecting the industry or if you have your own uh you know topic that you'd like to share for um the future insights uh yeah no um uh the future insight i guess would be you know cannabis is something that's always going to be booming um e even if it's legal or not legal it's always been around so it's something kind of like the stock market it's not crazy to get into at any time um mm -hmm. i think the change of the history of cannabis will be changing dramatically because of covid because uh, of covid we've realized that you don't really need a storefront uh delivery services are just sustainable um, and what it's going to happen is a lot of these labs that weren't really doing the right uh, effort in the beginning are starting to fizzle out because they they ended up owing too much money. That's like one of the mo more important things is like the companies that are sticking around have paid a lot of their bills right out of the gate, which is good because that means it's the good practices that are being established. The problem is, is a lot of people are losing their jobs. So what it looks like in the future, I feel it will just be a lot more sleek. Uh, you'll have a lot of smaller crews that are just a little bit more uh, knowledgeable. And then um, when it comes to distribution, deliveries, and I was thinking, you know, a lot of those um, vending machines, I was looking into oh, that, yeah. reading something on that, like you put your license in and then it, it lets you process further. So that's how they like could kind of figure out if you're old enough to do so in the state of California. I thought that was a great idea. I think that that's kind of neat. I don't know how they're going to be able to do that necessarily because it's, considering it to be a lot like alcohol, but it'll be a really interesting. But I do know with COVID, things have definitely changed dramatically in the sense of storefronts um, and the sense of like um, hospitality situations, which is kind of a bummer because that was like the whole purpose of cannabis in the beginning was to like get a group of people together and just like have some fun with it. And now it's, it's, it's making it seem like it's, a, you could just go home and hang out by yourself or with friends in their house. And, It'd be nice to see, you know, something come out of something positive in a group setting to come out of the COVID-19. But I think but it's it, is, it is it does bring uh, connectivity to human beings. Correct. It does. Well, and it also like opens up the door for new possibilities because a lot of people who weren't smoking, you know, because of COVID, they're like, ah, I've wanted to do this my whole life. I'm going to try it. And then they try it and they're like, actually, this is really good. This is helping me out with a lot of other things. So I've even heard those stories too. So it's actually a really interesting time to be in cannabis because it's just unraveling another layer of what it's going to look like in the end. Well, thank you so much, Shay, for sharing your insights and uh, all your expertise. I really appreciate having you here. Uh, I'm your host, Courtney Ora Freeman. Um, Shay, would you tell us where our audience can get in touch with you if they'd like to? Uh, yeah, um, my LinkedIn. I am huge into LinkedIn. Um, that's a good way to get a hold of me. Uh, Shay Larson, uh, you can't miss me.
Great. Thank you. Thank All right. You. Well, thanks. Thanks to our sponsor, Armplex, uh, armplex.com. And if you'd like to get in touch with me, you can. I'm on Instagram at Courtney Aura Freeman. I'm also on LinkedIn. And you can find us on Instagram, Conscious Cannabis, as well as Facebook. And uh, we look forward to seeing you on the next episode of Conscious Cannabis. Please like and share our um, full interview or you can share these clips which are available on youtube or on our site consciouscannabis.com thank you